somebody who said, said oh, it was good to, you know, you sort of asked the, the probing questions. I often think Matt's too soft. And I'm I going, saw that and I laughed and I went, you have not heard Matt on the phone in the office then, Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryo Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, the fully recyclable Matt Kierkegaard and ace reporter and senior journalist, the reusable Claire the Big Boom Burnett. G'day, guys. Morning, Pete. Morning, Pete. Apologies if the voice does cut out a little bit. I'm just recovering from a little bit of a... It's not the Rona, so don't panic. <laughs> and we are very much socially distanced with me being in Melbourne and you two in Brisbane. But um, It's funny, I was struck down over Easter with just a bit of a cold as well. Not, not as bad as you, uh, clearly, but I did have to go get a Corona test. So, that, yeah, there's something about... Everything opening uh, I think up in the again. interest of yeah, diversity and inclusion, I think there's some of the uh, little bugs that have felt a little bit left out um, <laughs> with Corona taking the spotlight that they're, they're trying for a bit of affirmative action and uh, sneaking back in because there's a couple of bugs that have gone through the, uh, the Pilsner household and the kids' schools. So I think there's just sort of maybe because we've, I think, been isolated so much, perhaps we haven't been exposed to, and, and you know, hand-washing and sanitising and masking, mm-hmm. That um, just the slightest little bug now, everybody's going. Oh, what, what's, what's going on here? I'm just going <laughs> to shut down for a bit because it's, it's nothing. It, it's nothing, you know, like uh, nothing terrible, um, but just enough to kind of just give you this like fog. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's enough but of our onwards, maladies. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> Apropos of my uh, intro, there, I'm sure we'll discuss it in below the fold. But um, the response to our Pactech uh, and Bright Breweries recycling slash reusing. That's what I, well, I slipped in the uh, monikers in the uh, in the intro there. Um, heaps of comments, so it, it definitely seems to be something that's uh, that's generated a bit of interest. So well, perhaps we'll talk about that later on. As we said, I think we discussed it briefly on the podcast last week. Yet, yeah, um, which is why the, the comments were this week. You see so many people with huge mounds of them. It just seemed like such a natural thing to do. So um, yeah. yeah, and someone asked the question, didn't they, can't you just reuse them? Well, yeah, you can, but you can't go to Dan's and say, I'm going to swap this one you already have on for the one I have. <laughs> that doesn't really count, does it? Yeah. It's not really counts as re- reusing it because there's still one hanging around then. Well, that's the thing. I, I wonder if you can take your own, mm. you know, like your own I guess bag. if you had like singles. And, and, and you have singles and you just clip your own in. Yeah. The problem um, with that, guys, though, is uh, that the barcode. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Someone retail. So you'd, you'd need to almost create a new barcode to say four mixed or four of whatever's or six yeah. whatever's. That's it. Um, um, which, which might be a, a logistical nightmare, particularly even for Uncle Dan's. That's um, for, for the big ones, yeah. Mm. But there's nothing to stop you from, uh, you know, if you wanted to, if, well, I don't know. It's, it's really, what, when, what do you use the Pactech for? It's really to, to grab six uh, in four. one hand four. or four in one hand um, to get it from the fridge or the display, the shelf to the checkout, then home. And then do you unclip them to put them in the, in the fridge or do you put them, you slot them in? It took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to figure out how to take (laughs) cans off them because we (laughs) didn't have them in the UK. Well, I'm sure we do, but I used to just go to the pub or buy a single rather than the pack things. And, um, yeah, so it took me a little while, so I try and take them all off first and then put them in the fridge for maximum ease. But it is interesting that one brewery that I spoke to, wow, it would have been 18 months ago, 
um, that's very environmentally conscious and aware of you know their perception in, in this, and they you know they made the point of saying, oh look, if we still have plastic ring tops, um, you know, in you know twelve months, our drinkers are going to kill us, and they're still using them. Um, so it is like obviously, whilst we've seen those recycled. You know, ring pools made of recycled cardboard oh, or yeah, things the like cane that. Pool They're, uh, turtle food. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah, there hasn't been the huge take-up. I think there's lots of issues with them, like if you get them wet and all that, they just, deti- just disintegrate. Yeah. And, and a cold can in Queensland, just... You, you, immediately the conversation yeah. will just... Yep. Yep. Or you get, a, you get a turtle or a moray eel into one of those display fridges. At least the turtles are okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, Obviously, there is a desire to get rid of those things, but a practical solution hasn't come out yet. We're still finding our feet, I think. And the other thing too, Matt, we should point out is that it's very different to if you are uh, hands-on manual attaching them or you have a machine because the comments seem to suggest from the uh, brewers, from a technical point of view, if they're not perfectly flat, and I think this is one of the problems that was with the, um, the, uh, the dolphin food ones, uh, the ones that were made of, you know, recycled malt and, and whatever, mm. um, harder to, to, to pull through the machine, you know, for the machine to take yep. one with whatever process it uses. Whereas if you're a small brewery hand bottling or hand canning or hand packaging, it, it's a little bit easier to, yeah, it doesn't matter which one you're using, I guess. That's one of the, the, the great, whilst there's an industry, they're constantly moving towards being better environmentally. You know, if you invested in a machine six years ago, when none of this stuff was available and it's just not able to handle that sort of packaging. You know, if you've made, and we're going to talk about a packaging uh, yeah, lines uh, yeah, in, in, in the news, you know, if you've made that commitment, you're not just going to toss it out and get a new one. So there is going to be a extended period of time for any initiative to, to wash through the industry. But you look at, you know, 15 years ago, bottle. In yeah. fact, you know, 750 bottles or, you know, whatever it might have been. And we've now pretty much moved on. So as an industry, we kind of look at what, what works best based on, um, and this is where things like, you know, Brewcon and mashups and, um, you know, Zoom get-togethers are really great because you, you exchange this information and learn from other brewers that, you know, what they're doing, you might be able to adopt in your own brewery. Absolutely. Before we move into the news, I'm just going to just adding. I, I don't want this to, be, to become zero alcohol beer of the week. Um, you know, profs picks. Oh, I like that though. I'm alright. The Heineken, I said. You know, oh, yes, on yeah. your recommendation mm-hmm. was an absolute belter. Mm-hmm. The Budvar, I think, is probably the one that I'm going to go for. That's uh, oh, I haven't even seen the Budvar. Yeah, well, I've only seen it in Uncle Dan's, mm. but it's called Budvar Nia Alco N E O A L K O, which is no alcohol in in Czech or Slavic. Um, mm. language of some sort, don't know. Mm. Um, if you want something that's a bit hoppier, that's got that really nice Pilsner um, that Bug Bar has, absolute belter. But I've discovered this week uh, Schloss Gold. I haven't discovered it, but I tried it for the first time. Oh, yeah. um, and at $11 for six 500 mils. Oh. Still more expensive than soft drink. But it is. It is. And and the only criticism I'd have of it is it's a, it's slightly sweeter. It has a slightly more, uh, you know, or less bitter uh, feel, which which brings the, the sugar through a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the first sip to the last, um, an absolute cracker on a hot day on uh, uh, Easter Sunday. I'll tell you one that I do hate, the Holston alcohol-free one. Because that's a Pilsner, isn't it? Well, the, the 
um, cool style is supposed to be like yeah. a like a. Premium. I think it's a, a, a premium lager. Mm. More than a anyway, now I try did, that. It's not that. I did see a story in the mainstream media this week about alcohol-free beers and how I think Heaps Normal is the most popular beer in a whole lot of bottle shops yeah, and yeah. is number one beer on Beer Cartel, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put it in the show notes because I didn't want to turn it into this week in no alcohol beer. Um, <laughs> Too late. But given that you guys already have and I can't be accused of it. Um, <laughs> Zero Brews News Week. Yeah, so we might we might throw that into um, the, the the show notes because I looked at it. I, I need to reach out to the guys at um, Beer Cartel to find out exactly the data behind that because I would be incredibly surprised if a zero alcohol beer was the number one selling brand on. Or do they on, just mean out of zero alcohol? Or do they just no, no, they, they, they actually meant overall the oh. was the best selling because I have never even seen Heaps Normal. Oh, no, I've seen it around and there's a lot yeah. of noise about it, but again, I keep coming back to there is not a single category of beer. There, there, in fact, there's not a single category of I was gonna say alcoholic beverage, but you know, alcoholic beverage, mm-hmm. which non alcoholic beer is. If it falls take, under, yeah, yeah, if um, apart from seltzer, that has the same level of hype as alcohol-free beer. Um, and we, it, it, it's one of those things that as soon as it becomes a um, SEO term that with so much being online traffic, you know, there is competition for clicks and SEO and people start writing their articles, we don't, I need to stress that, um, for SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, Top 20 non-alcoholic beers in Australia. Yeah, and so suddenly you see all of these lists. And so there is just this absolute logjam of content about alcohol-free beer as everyone wants to be servicing. Everyone wants to get those clicks. I'm still surprised that the growth rates for trial aren't higher given the level of hype and free publicity that these mm-hmm. things are being given what what I call you know um, when a wave smashes and you've got the sort of backwash and the things like that it's the wave has rolled up Ooh, the beach. What does it do to all the boats, Matt? <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there are no boats. Oh, different Matt's different always, metaphor. Matt's analogies are always sea related. Do you know? Have you noticed? Are they? I have noticed oh, there's a bit of a, 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 a maritime thing. I would love for you to sing something. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, oh, he'll sing you a song and it won't. Anyway, <laughs> the craft the the zero alcohol wave is crashing up on the beach. I'm just waiting to see what's left um, when the wave rolls. Did back. you see oh, okay. Mountain Culture doing a? I think it was Mountain Culture doing a non-alcoholic seltzer. <laughs> That's soft bing, drink. Bing. Yeah. 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 That was an April Fool's Day joke, wasn't it? Oh, surely, surely it, it was. had to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, did, I should ask him. I'm like, I'm, I hope it was. I didn't look at what day oh, I looked no, at. Oh no, yeah, no. It's, it, that I had don't to go. Have been. I don't go on Facebook that often to know. Really, that has to be. All right, meanwhile, our <laughs> listeners are waiting for the news. They're going, you promised us news. What's happening to the news? Where's the news? This is before the fold. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't go creating new categories. Yeah. All right, it's hard enough keeping up with what we've got. All right. <clears throat> and now we cross live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap-up of, of stories making news in beer this week. And, Claire, we begin this bulletin with a story that endeavours to highlight the endeavours made by the brewery known as Endeavour and endeavour to separate it from the liquor group known as Endeavour to endeavour to show their shareholders that they are not, in fact, in more strife than Captain Cook, who, on his way home from a successful discovery of New Zealand and the east coast of Australia, said, ah, bugger it, we deserve a break. Let's stop off in Hawaii for a while. You know, uh, shareholders of Sydney's uh, Endeavour Brewing appear closer to learning the company's financial position, with the brewery advising it would soon be holding an extraordinary general meeting. In an email to shareholders over the east 
just a long weekend. Recently installed director and company secretary Ken Bromley advised a date would be set for the extraordinary general meeting later this month. Um, and look, I, we, we've covered uh, this. Uh, you know, this is uh, Endeavour is a brand. You know, three mates um, with a, a bunch of their friends created a you know had an idea for a beer ten years ago, and it's all been plain sailing since then. Um, late 2018, early 2019, equity crowdfunding, and there has been very little um, out of the company um, since they raised that money, apart from suddenly there seems to be a lot of internal squabbling and board fights, and some people are aware of things that are going on and others aren't, um, as is the nature of internal um, machinations. Uh, Yeah. um, This is one that, as... And outside looking in, you don't know exactly what's going on, and we do wait to see. But you'd you'd think that shareholders would be entitled to know. Well, uh, I was going to say, yeah, uh, fair enough. You're allowed to do all this kind of stuff behind closed doors, but when you've got investors, there's a point where you have to. It's be a more thing called corporate governance, yeah. and yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about equity crowdfunding in below the fold. But yeah, if it's not free money, if you do an equity crowdfunding, it changes the nature and the structure of your business and the accountabilities that come with it. And that is part of, you know, the cost of doing business when you equity crowdfund. And, and without getting into too deep into the weeds, but it, it is similar to when a, a company goes public and you are then legally obliged to do everything you can to return a dividend to your shareholders. In this case, you may not be promising a, you know, uh, a monetary, you know, return in terms of, you know, a dividend or whatever or extra shares. But, but you're at least saying thank you for the money. Um, we will do everything we can to make sure that we purpose this money to, you know, to, to better to better the business so that your money will grow as our business grows. Exactly. You know, quite, and quite apart from all of the promises that were made about building a brewery, more tap rooms, expanding in, into Asian markets, none of which have happened, the promises that were made in the prospectus was that we are going to welcome you into the Endeavour family. You're going to have a vote, you're going to have it. And, you know, a significant portion of the people that came on um, through the equity crowdfunding that were made that promise weren't included in, 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 in the vote and don't know what's going on. And, you know, it, it, it's fairly concerning for a company that, you know, I mean, let, let, let's face it, uh, Endeavour Taproom, which is a small localised taproom, the basis of the Endeavour brand was that it had national ranging in 1,100 um, Dan Murphy's and BWS stores, you know, and that was that was their core business um, when they launched the prospectus. They've apparently been deleted um, from those 1,100. So, you know, people had invested, and including the original investors, um, some of whom seem to be included in discussions or more aware of what's going on than those that aren't, um, you know, are entitled to go, well, hold on, you know. Everyone wants to put out a media release um, when they're raising money for equity crowdfunding. No one wants to, you know, and they make all of these promises. There's not a lot of post-facto um, accountability, um, you know, for the promises that were made by those companies after the uh, equity crowdfunding. More to come. Uh, Claire, mm. we just talked about packaging, didn't we? we early did on, indeed. And um, how? What a coincidence! Our next story: uh, Black Ops invests three million in packaging expansion. 
indeed. So uh, Gold Coast's Black Ops, um, they brought in an Italian company who I've not actually heard of before called CFT Group uh, to help expand their packaging systems lines, all that kind of stuff. So they're investing $3 million and um, they're basically going to see output rise from 65 cans per minute to 250 cans per minute, um, which is a huge... That's a massive... I know, absolutely huge. And it also frees up a lot of space at um, bigger waters, the Black Ops 2, I believe which means that they could potentially put more tanks in, which could also grow capacity. And they were, th- they were looking at kind of about 10 million litres annually if all this stuff comes ahead. So that's not a guarantee, like it, it will be after the packaging. That's like they have potentially got the space for that. So that is a massive jump up for them. Um, they're funding it through a 1.6 million fundraise from existing shareholders and also potentially another um, equity crowdfund, although they're not sure about that one yet. They've obviously got um, a big chunk of the money anyway, so you know might not necessarily need that. Um, they've got cash and debt funding and all that kind of stuff as well. So um, it's just great to see them expanding like that. And yeah, good on them. Can I just say one of the uh, most memorable experiences I've had in the last few years that that's brewery related, good friend John Selton, who's out at, at Brick Lane, and I happened to pop out there. He invited me out because they'd um, just had their, now I'm pretty sure it's a German company who uh, designed and built their packaging system, which is a, a magnificent, like it's, even if you're not into. Crohn's? I'm just trying to think. Uh, that's their, no, uh, Braucon is their, um, is their brewing, brewing system. It is a Crohn's. I can I can picture the thing. I'm I stand to be corrected, and I'm sure PB or, or John will uh, will let us know if we've slipped up on that. Hey, Pete, but maybe Crohn's would sponsor Letter of the Week. Maybe they would. <laughs> you maybe they do would. it terrible. I could do mailbag. No, anyway, no, no, no. Let's, 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 let's no. If we had help from someone like Crohn's, maybe we Keep could read. Tight. We could go from sixty-five letters per year to two hundred and fifty letters per year that we could read out. Ooh. If only we had a sponsor or an equity crowdfunding campaign. But anyway, I just got to say very quickly. I've never seen a grown man more excited <laughs> than John Selton after the guys had come. And they'd done these little tweaks. And, and when you look at the the system, it's it's all robotics and electronics and all this stuff. But there's, at every point, there's little uh, things that can, you know, little points that can become choke points or, um, you know, slow things down. And by, and you can't just adjust one. You adjust one, it affects everything down the line. So they'd spent a couple of days tweaking the system to get from, let's say it was, you know, 60, whatever it was, but it was increasing by, I think, 30%, the, um, the the number of cans that they could do per minute. And I've never seen somebody so more excited than John was on that day. I would hate to think that, you know, going from 65 cans to 250 per minute, his head might have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I, that's I, it, isn't it? Because you can have as much nice, shiny stainless steel as you want, but if you can't do anything with it, if you can't package it, then you can't make any more than you already do. So That's it. It's getting it out the door. Choke points, get it, I think. Exactly. <laughs> choke points could be, could the, be the, uh, the name of the, uh, the episode. <laughs> but now, if you, and, and look, good, you know, in terms of equity crowdfunding that, you know, as an outsider um, appears to be done right, those guys seem to have been, you know, I, I think they actually, when they first got a canning machine back after, you know, when they very first opened, they got some mates who funded and then they did not even an equity crowdfund, just a crowdfund crowdfund. Mm-hmm. You like know, a reward-based type. Reward-based mm-hmm. crowdfund. Um, and... You know, they've done a couple of equity crowd funds. They've done some private equity raising. People that have invested um, have reinvested, you know, when there's been new openings. And those guys seem to be doing it really, really cleverly. Um, 
mm-hmm. the, the way that they're going about building their business. Yeah. They're, they've built engagement. And the, the whole thing about equity crowdfunding is that it's uh, we're below the fold. Anyway. Congratulations <laughs> to these guys yeah. um, just to yeah. see how well they're doing it. Cool. And I was just going to say too, if you don't have uh, three million floating around, or you don't have one point six million that you've raised from equity crowdfunding, um, but you still want to uh, improve the efficiency in your brewery, um, you might speak to Scar Fabricating because they build reliable automated packaging line equipment that's handcrafted to make life easy for brewers and their production team. So if you're a brewer looking for the best way to get your product out of your tap room and into the hands of your customers, which we've just decided is a bit of a choke point and can really help you out in your business, Scarfab has you covered. Wide range of depalletizers custom conveyance, date coding, rinsing, drying systems, and a whole lot more. So Scarfab uh, specialises in helping breweries of all sizes to get their beer from keg to can. To find out more about how Scarfab can help you sell more beer, visit Scar Fabricating today. That's skafabricating.com to get started today. And Clow, just speaking about Brick Lane, leads us very neatly and nicely <laughs> into our next story, um, which, and this is something everything old is new again. Um, Indeed. Dan's did try growlers a while ago, but oh, their own oh. system, and it didn't last very long at all because it was fairly early in the growler take-up system um, and they tried to do it in-house. with yeah, uh, yeah. didn't quite work, but this one I've got a bit of confidence in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. So Brickline delivering uh, growlers and squealers to Dan Murphy's in South Melbourne. Um, And they were saying that they have um, a conservative 10-day shelf life, these growlers. Um, And so we were like, oh, that's interesting. You know, how do you manage to get 10 days out of a growler when usually it would be probably a few few days? No more than two. No more than two. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, the the shelf life is different to... I've opened it. How soon should I drink it? So I, yeah, I yeah, like you could keep it in the fridge eyes. closed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they have apparently got a uh, state of the art, um, which everyone loves to put in their media releases, um, counter pressure growler filler, um, which evacuates the oxygen um, as it fills the container, uh, which is amazing. Like, what a great idea! So they basically uh, take the growlers um, filled to Dan Murphy's, I believe, and then sell them all that kind of stuff, but. I don't, you can't like bring your growler back to refill it. You have to buy a new one the next time around. So I think that might be the only hiccup in that one because people are used to using their own growlers and don't necessarily want to swap them. However, you do get a discount um, if you bring one back. So it potentially could be a good one. Um, really interesting way of doing it. Obviously ticks the sustainability box um, and, you know, what a, yeah, what a great idea if it works. That'll be fantastic. Plus, buy in bulk and save. So if mm. you're buying, you know, two litres of beer, you know, which is the equivalent of however many stubbies, cans, you know, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, presumably, yeah, it's going to be a better value proposition. And I can say I am very lucky to have seen this state-of-the-art thing in action and it is a thing of beauty, joy forever. Um, it is – you reckon John was excited about his – Canning upgrade. Um, <laughs> Paul and Justin out at Brick Lane were were very very almost stunned into silence at how good this. This it's a now I'm going to say it's German again, but I think I have a feeling it's actually from the Czech Republic. Um, but don't quote me on that. Uh, but it's um, the, the the one that they, the prototype that they got. Um, they're using as their bar. It, um, so it, it's, it's been designed, it's on wheels, so you can put it on a trailer and take it to um, festivals and, and things as well. Um, it's a pretty impressive system. It's, it, for anyone who remembers when uh, the local tap house first opened up the tap house uh, bottle store in Providore. That's right. What would it, was that what it was called? It was um, Next Door or? 
No, it was yeah, it was called the uh, the local tap house bottle bottle store in Providor. Yep. Or provisions. Provisions. That's it. Yep. But I remember being there when they were fitting out the the pythons and the the um just the infrastructure that was involved in having to because and they had two I think two two growler fillers with, with this similar sort of thing. You go forward five, six years, whatever that was, and the technology now—it's it's the difference between you know a, a, a rotary dialing phone and a and an iPhone. You know, it, it's it's a, a whole lot more in a in a much smaller package. And you know, like, again, I'm not particularly bullish and never have been on growlers. While I love the idea of it, the, the ecosystem around it just weighs it down. You know, having to take your growler back to a brewery to refill um, that growler. Or you get there and you've forgotten the growler. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. Um, But then then also the limited shelf life, if it's just being filled directly from a tap, you know, it's problematic. This just seemed – this was one that, you know – if it hadn't have been from Dan Murphy's in Brick Lane, we probably would have looked very differently at it as a news item because you know the quality that Brick Lane puts behind it um, and they're, they're not going to put a 10-day shelf life on something that isn't going to have a 10-day shelf life. And the other thing is Dan Murphy's. We've spoken to Dermot O'Mortar a number of times over the years about what they look for when they look... You know, Breweries have put 12 months um, shelf life on their beers their constant mantra is know your beers and put a realistic um, shelf life on it. So they would be really looking at that. Um, yeah, and they will be under-promising and over-delivering. I'd, I'd imagine. So, yeah, but, I mean, the ability, it's a little bit like um, the gas bottle swap. You know, if you had to drive mm-hmm. around with your gas bottle in the back of the car looking for a place that will refill and then you think, Swap well, and go. Yeah. yeah, the swap and go. But, you know, if you have to go to a camping store or a hardware and then wait the half hour to get somebody and then they fill it and it's just really inconvenient. There is that element of inconvenience about growlers that this seems, if you can just take it back and exchange and go, there is a lot of uh, positives about that. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Incidentally, this is also one of those biggest um, business pressures that if a bigger brewery and a bigger retailer can do it better and they penetrate that growler market, then smaller it, it's going to put pressure on smaller bottle shops that may not have the ability to, you know, do that in the same way um, as, as Dan Murphy's or, you know, smaller breweries who, who can't do it. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, what sort of commercial advantage this gives those two. Yeah, and this next bit, and I'm genuine about this, they tend to come out, you know, you've got the condensation on the outside you do 10, 50, 100 growlers, whatever, and then you take them out to Dan's. And I think the new store at South Melbourne is one of their new concept stores, the yep. first of their new concept stores. Yeah, um, we didn't do the story because, you know, 450 craft beers at the new Dan Murphy's. Sorry, that's yeah. just really But how, how do you get the labels? Like, so how do I know what I'm getting? Because oh, that's the... Good the, point. How are they doing it? You, you, can, put a, oh. you can put a sticker on the, on the lid... But it's very difficult to put, I think, to put something on, particularly, you know, when it's you put cold beer into a cold unit and then you get the condensation on the outside. So, you know, I had not even very neatly to say, perhaps uh, Brickline might want to call uh, 1300 852 235 <laughs> and speak to our friends at Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging because um, they not only supply labels for your cans and bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals. Let me say barcodes, shrink sleeves. Doesn't say anything about growlers, but I'm sure if anyone can do it, 
I reckon the guys at uh, Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging could do it. Absolutely. Nicely <laughs> uh, done, Pete. Yeah. I was pretty proud. I was pretty happy with that one. Not as happy as John Selton was when he <laughs> got the upgrade on his canning line. But oh, I wish I was there you know, now. Sounds small joyful. victory. Oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd taped it. Should have done. It's just like a, a kid in a lolly shop. Um, <laughs> speaking of kids in lolly shops, Gabs is back for 2021. Gabs, yes. Yes, so Gabs is back, 10th edition, uh, starting in Sydney at the Sydney Showground on Friday the 7th and Saturday the 8th of May. Uh, and then Melbourne on the 21st to the 23rd of May. Um, the MCC is a new venue for Gabs. What's that like, Pete? I don't think I've So at the Melbourne Exhibition and Convention Centre. Oh, is that the one where, where Brucon is? Was. Oh, yep. okay. God. Yes. It's been many years since we've been able to go out and do things like that, it seems. And I've got to feel sorry for um, Mike and the team at, mm. at Gabs because the Melbourne, it's the Melbourne Exhibition Building, isn't it, Pete? I was called yes, it. Royal Exhibition Building. Royal That's Exhibition right. Building, um, which I've said over and over and over again, was almost built... Um, for a beer it's, festival, yeah, like an it's part, and, it's, it, and it's part of the things. yeah, it's part of the um the vibe of it's part of the fabric, the mm. patina of of Gabs Melbourne is is the uh, the Royal Exhibition Building. But as I say, we you know it started out and it was a raging success upstairs, um, you know, on the balcony on the terrace at the tap house. And we thought, oh, I can't get better than this. Stephen Guy <laughs> um, and more recently Mike have, as they've moved to, to multiple events in other states that don't have that building, um, have managed to really capture the feel of that of venue in much less characterful venues. Um, and the, the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast events that they did, as I said... They were the, the first outdoor events too. The, the first outdoor mm. events, they really, in, under really trying circumstances, they really did do it, um, do it well. And, you know, there's a lot of hidden investment in just that vibe that they create um, really, really well. It, it takes so, a lot of effort to make it look that effortless and yeah. to have the um, the Gab's spirit, if you like, you know, um, misted around the place. And, and again, I have, you know, it, 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 these are always those difficult things when you're raving about something that it's not commercial. Um, I don't think Gab's are sponsors or advertisers. No. I don't know. I don't even do that anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you have I, minions I, to, do that, to you. do that for you. <laughs> speak, um, speak to your people and get, let them get back to you. We'll do lunch and but, discuss this. You know, <laughs> you know, Pete, you and I have, like I hosted events at the, 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 the Brisbane one, but conversely, um, listeners who have gone back and listened to, you know, I also hosted events at um, Beer Insider, um, which was in another very different event. But we spoke very, you know, d- despite potential conflicts there, spoke very honestly about some of the flaws with that model. Um, you know, so, yeah, a, a saying good thing about cabs isn't commercially... Um, I'm, I'm just very conscious because we're... What are you trying to say, Matt? I'm just trying to say, look, it, it's very honest feedback. I, I, I think that Gabs, you know, I, you hear a lot of criticism from brewers about the expense of Gabs and, you know, all of those sorts of things. And I don't think that that's warranted because I don't think the brewers who are doing that are fairly judging like for like. Um, you know, it's a very professionally run that has a lot of consumer add-ons um, that really make for an event that isn't just about getting shit-faced. It brings a much broader demographic 
Um, it brings the new, it brings the, you know, the, the keen to try the, you know, the, the beer curious, um, but then, but then also the, the, the engaged prosumers and the, uh, and the, and the trade as well. But uh, and, and you know, unfortunately it's, it, it's a truth that a lot of the festivals, the brewers go home going, Oh, that was awesome. We made out like bandits is because you've got a lot of brewers selling a lot of beer to a, uh, a yeah, set number same, of people. So brewers will tell you the bloke who came up to me, you know, early in the day and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to come up. What's your, what's your highest alcohol beer? They couldn't even, at the end of the day, or even an hour later, they couldn't tell you what brewery they, they have drunk from. Yeah, and but the, the the street issues that you see post-event, and I've never really seen that level of issue at a Gabs event because of, and, you know, we haven't really seen it since Mike took over, but... His fingers no. crossed. He's got the same approach. But I will say, Matt, that he will have inherited the same security yep. um, team, and it is a it is a team. And we learnt that the first time we went to Sydney and used uh, outside security, and you could just tell they had no idea. Um, oh, sorry, the 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 original security family had a had a perfect handle on how to moderate behaviour, how to let everyone know that we're here and we want you to have fun. And it's all funny until someone loses an eye or, you know, drops a beer. And, and so, fewer drunks comes at a cost to the event, you know, like, which exactly. is one of those stupid things in it. But it, it, it's something I became very aware of when we were in New Zealand. When Actually, it was I think it was the first time I was there without you. Um, and it was – Beer Varna was a much smaller event that David Cryer was running. And there were – I think two people had been ejected from a 2,000-person event. And he was – expressing concerns about it. And I said, well, it's too, you know, I was trying to do mm. the percentage, which is very, very small, and I can't do it in my head. Um, and he just sort of said, well, it's 100% increase on last year. And, you know, I'm sort of going, okay, so it's still a very, but that was his <laughs> thinking. And he wanted, and the way he expressed it is, if you have street problems after an event, or if you've got people being ejected, then... You know, the, 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 the police have more scrutiny over beer events, you know. Um, yeah, you're more likely to attract attention next time. Mm-hmm. And none of it was about the feeling or the profitability of the event. It was about what the event created in the broader industry. In, in know, the public's mind as in well. In the public's mind and particularly governments. You know, the, well, the you've got to work with the yeah. city of whatever or, you know, the, the, the local city council the liquor licensing groups, all those sort of people, you, you, you've got to make sure that they know that, you know, you're doing everything to, to make their job easy. Mm. And, and I know that, you know, Stephen Guy particularly were very focused on that, um, you know, when, when they ran Gabs and it seems to be continuing. So anyway, anyway, I, I just wanted to say that, you know, given that we've waxed lyrically about it and really sort of given it big ups, um, it wasn't, you know, it was, you know, the, the reasoning behind it. And we'll just quickly mention that the final stop for the Gabs train will be uh, Brisbane. The convention and exhibition centre, so same place as two years ago. Actually, I haven't even looked at it. Right? With the on the twelfth of June, they won't have dates for Auckland, will they? Because of there's no no Auckland this year, even with the bubble. No, so, well, it was announced yeah. uh, late last year. That I wonder. I wonder whether they'll Melbourne, probably a little bit late to yeah, we'll see to book it in to organise it and and then to you know have the confidence that you know everyone's going to be able to get over there and get back and. Yeah, all the rest of it. Uh, I think you, I, I think they're better off just sort of saying let's let's leave Auckland until next year. But I don't know that to be the case. I haven't I haven't heard. That is it for the news. So thanks very much for joining us. If you need to get back to your brewing now or uh, stop your run or whatever you need to do, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Thanks, Pete. 
if you're new to the episode, don't turn off just yet, all right? This is just mm-hmm. where we're wrapping up the news portion, um, but then we're going to keep going in a little thing that uh, we like to call BTF or Below the Fold. Oh, I like that. And we're back for Below the Fold. Sorry, I forgot to say, and we're out. <laughs> Actually, great feedback we've had from you know, people really enjoying the Below the Fold concept. Do you think it's because it gives the podcast a little bit more structure? Yeah, I think because we can do the structured bit and then they know what to expect because yeah. sometimes we it's didn't like categories. Previously. So like you start off you start off with a colch and then, <laughs> then we did it, you know, it's just the, the bubbly anyway, intro. Think, yeah. Don't forget, you can review us on iTunes or send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week. And you can also uh, be part of the conversation by joining us uh, on our Facebook group. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. And speaking of our um, very well-loved uh, and responsible Facebook group, um, our first letter comes from uh, someone called Joe, who says, <laughs> Happy Joe. birthday, everyone. This group is two years old today. Thanks for joining in our discussions and making this such a fun space. That's crazy. And I thought the Facebook group was much older than that, actually, um, just because it's got quite a few members and everyone seems to be quite involved. And you do get a few people that like are great at dropping stuff in, but I think lots of people do get involved, go in and out and all that kind of stuff, which is great. 586 members we have so far. Considering we only we don't push it anywhere other than in the podcast. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the purpose of it was that if you if you regularly engage with the podcast and that's where you sort of get your take on the news or the um, opinions on various things that come up like crowdfunding or whatever it might be, packaging, um, <laughs> then it was, it was a way to, rather than doing a two-hour podcast and then having to divide it up and all that sort of thing, we could say, Let's create the Facebook group. And, uh, and it was Joe's baby. It was jo- jo- it Joe. It was Joe's idea. We resisted it and we were wrong. Why did you two resist it? What was it? Well, because we did it. it, it was Based on form. Antithetical. Let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it wasn't. It wasn't. On trend. <laughs> it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't in our wheelhouse. It wasn't within our bandwidth in, in terms of, I guess, what we saw as, as the way we engage. Um, but I think also Matt and I were a little bit trepidatious. We had trepidations. We were trepidatious. Like trepidatious. Whatever it was, we were yeah, we were a little bit toey. We we're not as toey as a Roman sandal, but we were a little bit toey <laughs> that because we'd we'd just seen how so many other beer related Facebook groups um, that that welcomed in everyone from the novice to the to the expert to the wanker. Um, <laughs> it, it just kind of, I, I guess, the bad just seemed to overshadow the good. It just always seemed to be, oh, God, there's another, you know, shit fight on uh, one of the Facebook groups. And we tend to avoid anything that smacks too much of overt self-promotion because, you know, like we, we don't do pop-ups on the website, you know, subscribe to our news. People who value our content will look for, you know, do they have a mailing list and then they'll search the site for it. And that gives us a more engaged listener than us trying to force people to subscribe. When to, I, to then go out and say, we've got, you know, these numbers. Yeah, and the, the like Facebook when we're trying group. to get something like a, a you know like a mailbag sponsor or something like that. Yeah, which you know, there's someone out there. No, we don't <laughs> want to. We made, we couldn't fit any more advertising in and still keep any like I'm. Yeah, it's, it's, much it's partnership, Matt. We don't do sponsor. We do <laughs> well, it's advertising, but anyway, we're we're lucky that our advertisers are um, good people. Anyway, um, yeah. but they're, they're, they're so right, anyway, it's not about us. No, the first part of below the fold is mailbag. And Claire, first one. No, always when it's, you know, brackets, uh, anonymous. <laughs> so, is well, actually, we're deciding this, we, to make this anonymous? Yeah, or did we, we have decided. Decide? Yeah, okay. we've decided to make this anonymous um, 
because it was a message, so it's a private message rather than a in a in a public group. Um, but it's still a, a really interesting comment and insight uh, into a few of the issues we've been discussing. So uh, this person says, uh, "Hi, Brews News team. Thanks for the great coverage of everything brewing and your weekly podcast." Following Matt's comments last week on batch brewing and their crowdsource funding, I listened to his interview with the batch owners and their plans for growth. I subsequently listened to Matt's interview with the guys from Young Henry's and their plans for growth. Two very different approaches with family investors, um, I think that's what it's called, versus the crowdsourcing. I thought your questions were excellent to batch and personally felt they were defensive and unable to articulate the evaluation. I didn't get the feeling that they really knew what their plan was for growth. I felt young Henrys were very open and have built a fantastic culture and know their plan for the future. Anyway, just one opinion of many, but as a result of the interviews, if I see their beers on the shelf, I'll be trying young Henrys first. Thanks for the fantastic podcast and interviews covering the brewing industry. That's interesting that because it, it, none of it was about the quality of the beer, and yet he'll try one over the idea, which is an interesting, interesting takeaway. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we talk about it all the time about perceptions of company and what you value as to why you buy your beer. It's not just because, I mean, it might taste great, um, but there'll be other things as well. You're not buying the liquid until you actually drink it. You're you're mm. buying the message. You're buying what the you company, know about that company. Yeah, you're buying the That's artwork. That's how choose, yeah. yeah. The, the, the feel, the vibe, you know, Marbo. The whole Megilla. Interesting. And and, that, and yeah. look, it, it, was, it was interesting. It's a really good comment. Yeah, I, I, it was yeah, very nice. And somebody else also, you know, there's been a lot of good commentary about the the, the batch podcast. Mm-hmm. And the most surprising one was somebody who said, said oh, it was good to you know you sort of asked the the probing questions. I often think Matt's too soft. And I'm I saw that and I laughed and I went, "You have not heard Matt on the phone in the no. office." Then, <laughs> <have you?"> well, <laughs> no, I think he, I think he said you tend to take a lighter. Yeah, approach. lighter approach. And, and, and I think the comment was, the quote was, uh, that's a, an observation, not a criticism. Oh, no, no. Mm. And, and I didn't take it, and I'm not being defensive, but like my internal monologue is often, dialogue is that, you know, I don't want to be the guy who is always attacking the industry, attacking the brewers. But, you know, I, I see our role as doing true journalism that we need to ask the questions that we know that are being asked. And that's one of the things I like about the Facebook group, the questions that are being asked by our readers. Are, and, and also the questions that, you know, brewers ask us when we're having a quiet beer. You know, they say, oh, what do you think about such and such? And then when you talk about it, you know that there are these questions that are being asked in private that aren't being asked publicly. And I always come back to... We have an obligation to the in- the industry has plenty of boosters and has plenty of supporters and plenty of people who go yay craft beer, but there is no one who is asking these questions publicly, and you've got people who are basing business decisions on whether or not to enter the craft industry on sitting here and going, oh, look at that. Everyone's making money. Everyone's hungry. Mm-hmm. Look at them all sitting around the campfire singing Kumbaya. Yeah, best friends, etc. Look at this brewery that's making 350,000 litres of beer, which is a spillage for, you know, a weekly spillage for a major brewery, is worth 15 million bucks. <laughs> and if everyone, and if no one's going, well, is it really? You know, are, are we doing our role? But, at the same time, you know, you don't want to be the guy who's constantly attacking and asking and probe. You know, the, the, the guy who seems to be 
um, tacking, taking and down, which is what that, Bruce News... On that end, you'll get accused of being a sensationalising and trying to and make headlines and blah, blah, And we deliberately don't sensationalise a lot of those things, mm-hmm. um, you know. And it, so, yeah, it's a really fine... Like, I, I feel that we walk a fine line and those two contra... You know, th- those mm-hmm. two, you know, and we do get often attacked privately um, for chasing easy scandal. When it's not scandal, it's legitimate question so yeah so I, I was, you know, it was nice to sort of see that but it was equally nice to see somebody sort of saying oh, I think that often goes too soft because I've not something that I'm I've never thought that about you to be fair Matt <laughs> oh, yeah but there are a lot of questions that you ask that you know the, the, the batch one was a little bit different they mm. had actually made statements that on one hand it's worth 15 million but then they had this figure that you know people made a 285 dollar a 285 percent return that gave a very clear value of what a sophisticated investor was willing to invest in and what a number of their existing shareholders were willing to cash out on. Um, and it wasn't $15 million, but they weren't willing to put that figure out there. Um, they were just saying, well, we don't, didn't think that was fair valuation for our hard work. So it was le- legitimate. But then there are a lot of things that all you can do is... Uh, you know, and I, like I asked the Young Henry's guys about the... All of the things that people have asked me about their business, so they were questions, but once they'd answered them, there wasn't a lot of defensiveness. Obviously, they had their patter, you know, um, that if, you know, it, it's for the listener. The listener heard the question, the listener heard, and that was one where we didn't take out the pauses, we didn't take out the, so you got to hear when they were thinking, you know, if you ask That's a question really and suddenly they yeah. roll into the question, you know that there's a bit of a prepared, you know, Sometimes when you ask a question from a different perspective and there is this pause, that is the pause that actually gives you, oh, shit, they're actually thinking about this. But it was nice to get that feedback. Yeah. And that's a little bit about our approach as well. Yeah. And I suspect uh, that quietly, uh, a lot of people in the industry are very thankful that we do, and by we I mean you, Matt, um, tackle the, the harder issues, the, the less popular issues, because it means they don't have to. Um, and I think a lot of other mouthpieces are, are perhaps reticent to because they rely so much on advertising that may be affected, you know, if they, yeah. if they were to yeah. have a crack at That's those it. same advertisers. Yeah, you got... So we don't care about ours, so yeah, yeah, win some, lose some. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Move on. Uh, Speaking of moving on, um, VB and the Solar Challenge. Indeed. Yes, so I don't know, I don't think we actually discussed this one last week. Um, We just posted it it as a media release, but um, VB um, launched a new program where basically if you've got solar, you can trade um, excess solar energy for slabs of VB. Um, and Daniel Massey in the Facebook group said, interesting partnership. If you're a VB drinker, it would be a cheap way to get beers. Obviously, give CUB some sort of credit, and I'd assume they'd also get a rebate from Diamond Energy. Didn't think about that angle, but what angle I did think about was, well, it's all very well and good, but who often has solar energy? It's usually quite like reasonably well-off people that can afford to install solar panels. And so they're getting, it just seems to be a pattern that if you're rich, you get free stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if they thought about that angle or if that's even fair. What do you guys think? I think solar has certainly come down. Look, there's certainly, I know, been a bit of a race uh, around our 
my own neighbourhood. I've noticed in the last six months a lot of people have got it because I think the government rebates were mm. coming to a close. But I'm always suspicious of government rebates because I reckon, <laughs> well, what, what would the price have been without the rebate? Yeah, exactly. I, I just reckon the <laughs> price expands. So it's like the first home buyer's grant. You know, all of a sudden we'll give you 21 grand. All of a sudden the house is 21 grand more expensive than it used to be. You know, it's six, one, half a dozen, the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I don't know that – I think it's more affordable – than oh, it, okay. Than it yeah, yeah. So more people um, have got it. But the downside of that is, I think you're going to have to pump a fair bit of solar through your system before you can well, yeah. earn a VB because the um, selling it back to the grid, I think, is isn't that what gives you the, the yeah, credits? yeah. That's credits. what my parents do. They sell and it all back to the grid. And yeah, that's that's gone right down. So a lot of people who signed up a couple of years ago for solar. Um, thinking they were going to get, let's say it's 15 cents and now it's 5 cents. So th- there's been quite a big drop in in what – those aren't the actual numbers. I'm just using it as an, as an example. Yeah. There was a quite a, a significant drop, but it's somewhere close to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, But look, good on VB. Again, Matt, we, we sort of talk about, you know, if you want to know what beers are perhaps feared to be lagging in the big houses, have a look at, you know, where the money's going. You know, have a look at what they're what they're all of a sudden pushing. Yeah. And obviously it's VB at the moment and, you know, cashing in on the uh, the climate change sort of thing as well, I guess. Um, I just have to tell you, Matt's wandered off and he wrote me a note saying, press this button when finished. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh... It's just me and you right now, Pete. All right. And now on the Pete and Claire show, <laughs> the off and the boom. Uh, uh, men in belted. Men in belted sweaters, I'm assuming that you, is, yeah. Did, yeah, did you put the in. brackets huh? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I only reposted this purely because um, I just thought it was a lovely little post um, from Yakima Chief Hops here. Um, they were giving a shout out to people at a, uh, the women, in fact, at the Queza Craft Brewery in Wanda. Um, so it's the country's first craft brewery and it's entirely uh, female owned and operated and they did a, the Black is Beautiful beers um, using Cascade hops uh, sourced from uh, Yakima Chief farm, family farms. Um, and I just thought it was a lovely post. I think it was really, really supportive of, of really the, f- the first craft brewery in the country. That's crazy. Um, and also considering I've seen a lot of activity from Pink Boots um, and I just thought I'd uh, give them a little plug. They've got a Victorian brew day going on uh, on the 30th of April, I think, uh, at Brick Lane in Dandenong. So not if a, you're not a sponsor. There, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're <laughs> not, not sponsored. Um, but I, am, I fair, am involved in Pink Boots. Yeah, we're allowed. We're allowed. And I did oh, see some Posts. I think last night they were at. Uh, they did a brew at Bodrigi. Yes, yes, they did indeed. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, they've been doing a series of them, I think. Um, but that was like a networking event, I think. Uh, so yeah, no, it was just a lovely, supportive, um, and just a great for women in the industry and, and, and a country like Rwanda that that needs it. So yeah, absolutely, nice one, nice one, guys. Excellent. I'll just whisper this one quickly. Um, this is from uh, Grant McCarran, who uh, often comments. Finally had a chance to listen to Brews News week number 312 as I ripped into the front garden like a deranged bulldozer tearing out <laughs> annoying plants. Uh, had to stop, rewind and re-listen to the bit about the nasty liner backing on stickers and labels and my comments, Prof's comments, re an entrepreneur doing something <laughs> about all that. Funny you should mention that because the PKN Packaging News podcast has released a new episode about label makers and Enviroflex doing just that, which is a recycling uh, label liner material to reduce landfill. So we've, we've discussed a bit about um, the problem, you know, yes, some people think it's more efficient to have the, you know, the stick on labels that, you know, run through, uh, come off a of backing, but then the backing up till now has not been recyclable because of its, 
I guess, the, the liner that keeps the sticky on mm. until it's needed but then releases it when it needs to as well. That's cool. Um, mm. uh, obligatory disclaimer from Grant. I'm the MC for the <laughs> podcast and my company produces its episodes. Uh, so food for thought <laughs> oh, and maybe Rowling's might be interested in this development. Oh, uh, cool. Please keep up the good work as I can appreciate the effort involved. I continue to enjoy the episodes and the new below the fold format, hashtag winning. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that's and so I did, cool. I did like that he put in PS. Yes, definitely the one without the gannet. I was wondering if somebody would pick that up. Because <laughs> um, I mentioned last week I did a, a Monty Python yeah, yeah. Um, reference, which yeah. was uh, the expurgated version, which <laughs> one without the gannet. Disgusting birds. Soil their nests. Um, PPS, aren't podcasts grand? You can pause, pick up where you left off, rewind, listen again. Ha, huh, do that, radio. <laughs> Thanks for that, Grant. Oh, brilliant. And I mean, it does go back to what Matt said at the beginning. Um, People keep innovating, keep coming up with different ideas, trying new things, and that only makes us better as an industry. So good on on you guys. Exactly. Now, uh, breweries. And uh, as Matt said early on uh, in the intro, coming up to budget time, so everybody is banging their drum and everybody's saying, me, 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 I'm deserving, this is what you should do for us. And the Australian breweries are pushing for a tax break that's similar to what the wine industry get and have been getting for, for decades now. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the note that we've got, cheap wine tastes better if the price tag is bumped up, scientists <laughs> have revealed. I just put that one underneath because I was um, laughing at um, just the, the contrast of these two articles that obviously, you know, the wine industry has it better and, you know, the wine equalisation tax is um, more beneficial to them than what we have to endure. And then they're also talking about um, how they basically uh, hoodwink... Uh, <laughs> hoodwink customers by saying oh if it's a $20 bottle of wine instead of a $10 bottle of wine then uh, <laughs> then everyone thinks it tastes better um, but no it's, it's just an interesting one I think um, I just don't know where it's going to stop there with the tax stuff because if beer asks for it surely then distilling will ask for it and I don't know I, don't, I think that means that inevitably it will be an entire revamp and everyone will go to the equalization tax thing i don't know i don't know what the solution is um yeah, and it's times like hmm. this i often hear the little voice on my shoulder that's represented by people like brendan virus or, or richard watkins um when it comes to you know lowering barriers for entry hmm. they say you know just be careful what you wish for because yeah. it, there is a, a feeling that um we're an alcohol product so therefore it is it is by its nature um dangerous if consumed irresponsibly so we we have a responsibility to uh, and it's also a food product so we're responsible for making sure that it doesn't go out looking like chunky custard and we <laughs> uh, don't yep, let's put that yep. we'll just drink it out of the can no i'm not, <laughs> not i'm not wearing that um or <laughs> drink a blindfolded no we drink with our eyes first and we keep telling people pour the thing into a glass and now we can't say that if it's you know if it looks like oatmeal anyway then it's not an oatmeal stout. <laughs> the thing with this is that yeah, we want to make sure that we are being responsible and um, living up to our charter that we, you know, that we all sign on to, that we will produce a product that is good value, that is consistent, that is safe and all that sort of stuff. And I think sometimes um, having to pay excise is, is that, you know, it's, it's paying the piper. Yeah. It's, it's, it's paying our dues um, in the same way that, I don't want to compare it to cigarettes, but, you know, it's seen as that, you know, sin tax, mm-hmm. whether it's gambling or, or whatever else. Um, no, so you're absolutely uh, right. Yeah. I think it, it I think it means the people who are in it for the long term are the ones who who are going to make the, the industry, a, you know, a better place for everyone yeah. and, 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 and keep 
the keep the standards high. Yeah, that's it. So I think if we, I think they're more likely to say yes. If, if we if we are to agree that wine's been getting too much of a free hit over the last few years, they're more likely to say let's increase or, or decrease their benefits. Yeah, rather absolutely. rather than turn it around the other way and say let's give those benefits to to beer mm-hmm. because I think the the neo prohibitionists will just jump on that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it doesn't help that all these global think tanks and all these research projects that governments do and um, health organisations and everything, they say that the best way for a country to cut down on whatever they call it, harmful drinking or um, excessive drinking, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, whatever they would decide to call it that day, is to tax it, is to make it more expensive. And that has been proven in multiple different settings across the world, effectively. So, you know, you're not really going to be able to go to them and say, oh, well, that, that doesn't work, you know, making it more expensive, people are still going to drink. Yes, they will. They won't drink exactly. as much. Yeah. That's, and that's the if whole I, point. If in I the... can still get a four-litre cask of, of cheap red wine, mm. um, you know, for under a dollar a standard drink, yeah. you know what? Charging me extra for a, a 9% double IPA that's dry hopped. With or without chunks, um, <laughs> Hopefully without. really, it's not going to make any difference to the bloke who wants to, you know, get loaded under the bridge. Sorry, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yes, yeah, but, so, but that doesn't suit their narrative. No, so we don't. That is we, the thing. We, don't, we don't look at that aspect. That's it. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I feel like we are kind of knocking our head against the brick wall trying to ask for tax breaks or for lowering excise when it hasn't been done for however long, decades probably. Um, so we'll we'll have to see where it goes and and whether that makes a dent but not sure well, the last free hit to brewers was uh, two or three two and a half years ago now when the the excise was raised to i think i'm going to say 70 70 000, mm. which was doubled i think so the, the the point at which excise kicked in or whatever it was but as i you know the wineries are still getting their first three hundred fifty thousand, i think um excise free or sales tax free. I can't remember how it works. Yeah, it, yeah. It changes all the time. As I say, my, my comment on the um on the discussion was that all I know is that in Australia, particularly, uh, we get about 85, 80 or 85% of our tax revenue comes from 10% of the of the taxes, the individual taxes. So there's a lot of taxes out there that are doing nothing. So I would prefer to see us clean all those little stupid ones up, get rid of the red tape, get rid of all the paperwork that people, that, that, that's, a, that's a disincentive for people to get into, particularly into small business, which at the end of the day is what makes the country run. Absolutely. Because that's what builds communities and communities build, build, build good, good nations. Exactly. It's all about nationhood. Do you know, if, we, a dirty word, if know. we run the world, Pete, if we run the world, that's all I'm saying. Starting tomorrow, yep. <laughs> um. Now I don't know if you want to. We've we've discussed chunks, um, but not saying that this is about Rocky Ridge, but um, just talking about the the quality and product recalls and stuff. So Rocky Ridge did one this week, I believe, um, and they did a product recall. Uh, don't believe it was they had to report it to F Sands or anything like that. Um, I haven't heard from them anyway um but it was really interesting how rocky ridge dealt with it versus how other people potentially have dealt with it um you know obviously they from the sounds of it they weren't required to tell our sons but or even to do a product recall um but they said that you know they they f***ed up um they even said that in their post um bacterial contamination issue um and they just want to make sure that that it's fixed and you know which sounds like maybe something similar to the the prancing pony issue which wasn't a production issue as such Mm -hmm. but a bacterial contamination that is that has developed once the um, 
the cold has come off the yeah. the product, perhaps. Yeah, that's it. But I mean, they haven't gone and said, which oh, is something you, you can't test for because if something's dormant. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just and well, you'd have to test every single batch. Yeah. Um, and, and, we, and we should just possible. point out too, we we did receive, I won't say criticism, but we we, we said, it was pointed out to us that maybe we shouldn't talk up recalls until there's actually a recall. Well, that's that's why we're talking about it now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting just to see how um, different brewers deal with it and deal with ones that they don't necessarily have to do. Um, and, and I just hope, Claire, that, that everyone listening to this now who is a brewer and who is responsible for putting product out mm-hmm. listens to this and, and just steals themselves and tightens the sphincter to the point where they go, <laughs> I don't want to have to do a recall. What can I do to ensure yeah. that I'm not the next one? That's it. Because we can't just accept, oh, yeah, well, it's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's... I, I don't think. I, I just forward. think that's too detrimental to the... Um, to the industry and to the community. Yeah, I agree. Because at the end of the day, you've never had a bad, you know, you don't get exploding VBs. You don't get, um, you know, bacterially contaminated um, Carlton drafts. You don't get, oh, my Chewy's new can has expanded. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a reputation issue at that point then, isn't it? That's right. So it's it's too easy for people who are dipping the toe in uh, the shallow end of, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, hashtag craft beer Um who then get burnt or see these things, you know, oh, I tried that. Oh, yeah, sorry, they've been recalled. Oh, what happened? You know, oh, well, you know, there was something wrong. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go back to, you know, Furfies or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, as, that's the risk that I fear. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not as quite as militant as Matt when it comes to if, if you can't do it right, then don't do it. Like, you know, you, you everybody makes mistakes and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, there's a keep the mistakes in the brew house laboratory, if we possibly can. Um, and then... Yeah, well, I, I, I remember, Claire, visiting lots of breweries, and this is in the last 10 years or so, uh, particularly breweries that were starting up, and you'd go and look in their lab and you'd see boxes, you know, all clearly marked. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what's, what's all those up there? Well, we keep, you know, uh, X number of six-packs from every batch and we label them and then we mm-hmm. do tastings and we keep some cold and we keep some warm and that sort of thing and we can see, okay, you know, the top's starting to peel off this one or the label's starting to come off or whatever it might be. Yeah. I don't know that that's standard practice. I don't know that everyone has the... It would the, be good though, wouldn't it? I don't want to say could. the luxury because a, a lab... I, I get that a fully fitted out lab mm, is a luxury, yeah, but surely yeah. you've got a storage room or something, a corner of your cool room yeah. where you keep a six-pack of every batch that you... Um, that and you if brew. you put money and you put those quite expensive ingredients in it, why would you want something subpar to come out of it? Like it's just yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to me. But, there but the go. other thing too is if you if you if you know your process well, then you also know where those uh, critical points are. You know where the danger points are. Mm-hmm. And it, um, and I'll use the example um, Ashley Huntington down at um, a two meter tall and early doors um, brewed a lot of experimental um, sour beers, <laughs> um, wild fermentation. Um, without intending to. And talking to him um, on a Tassie visit, he said, but you know what? He said, pull the, pull the old brewery apart. And it turns out it was a 22 cent, um, like a black rubber grommet that joined <laughs> one part of the brewery because it was like a, a modular brew house oh, that, yeah. had, that had come out of a, a, an old hotel. And then I think it used to sit on top of each other and then he he set it up so that it was sitting next to each other in a like in a farm shed. Mm-hmm. And there was just this little rubber grommet that joined effectively joined, you know, one where the where the beer would pass through from from one um process to the next. Um and it it was either worn or degraded or it wasn't fitted properly or whatever. 
and that's where infection was getting in. So perfectly good beer. He could test it all he liked. It. There's, there's nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with it. But then when it gets to the bottle, you know, six months later, all of a sudden it's, it's turned sour. Yeah. And it was something as simple as that. So yeah. you've got to know your process. And this was a very, um, you know, Legoland um, brew kit. It was, it was very sort of um, not cobbled together, but it was an older sort of style, yeah. um, beautiful Brunswick green from from memory, um, paint on it, beautiful system, but very different to the the sort of the sort of stuff you see now. Um, so I think it's important, and, and keen for brewers to send us their their thoughts on you know if something does go wrong with the beer, is only fifty percent of it working out what went wrong? Mm-hmm. Is the other fifty percent where it went wrong? Yeah, should be. You, don't want, you know, you don't want to throw your baby out with the bathwater. So you don't want to, yeah. okay, we'll get a whole new brew system. But surely, you know, if it's something as simple as a 22 rubber grommet, 22 cent rubber grommet, yeah. um, you've got you to know your fixed. system to, to work out where, you know, where that infection might have got in. Absolutely. There we go. There we go. Good chat. I know. We do and, all right uh, without that, don't we? At the time. Yeah, we're whizzing <laughs> through it. We've done, I was thinking, geez, we took a long while to get to below the fold, but then we raced through it once we did. We did indeed. Once. Yeah. Well, thank, <laughs> thank, thank Matt for us. We'll do. We'll do. I don't know oh, he's, where he's gone or what he's doing. To be honest. No, he obviously, clearly got a better offer. Clearly, clearly. We asked. We asked for one hour. One <laughs> and day that's a week. all. That's all. Can't even and do that. Anyway, now look, I'm sure it, it will be. It will be important. Um, <laughs> I would also like to thank Cry Mold and Scar Fabricating and Relling's Labels, Stickers and Packaging, and also Thirsty Merchants. Um, all our. So don't forget. Yeah, if we did read your name out today and you haven't uh, had a gig before. Uh, give us your postal address or a good, you know, sending address. Um, just quickly in the mailbag too, I will just jump through to uh, one we got from James Omond. Oh, uh, from, yeah. From, Sorry, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, who, who's a, a, a trademark lawyer. Uh, hi, gents. Hope you both enjoyed your Easter. I have to apologise for being a bit behind my bruise news listening, but I caught up last week on a recent episode where Pete was pulling Matt up on some expressions he'd used in Pete's absence the previous week, which <laughs> made me wonder if a verbal misstep by Matt in Pete's absence should be called a metapropism. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, play James, why would you do that to us? Why? <laughs> no, I like that. That'll go on the next T-shirt. Oh, God. Um, also, and this this was this bit I loved um, because I, I, I need closure on my anecdotes. Mm-hmm. So this was from I, uh, probably three, four weeks ago, I think. Yeah. But uh, also, I don't know if any other Tassie listeners have responded to your query. No, they haven't. Thank you, James. Mm-hmm. Uh, about jack jumpers. These are the Tassie version of a bull ant. They're very aggressive and their venom can cause anaphylactic reactions. Just add them to the long and scary list of critters in Australia that can kill you. Cheers, James. Holy hell, that's crazy. So that reminds me, yeah, that uh, James, we're going to send out, because James Omond has an old-style bar blade, but he doesn't have the new dog bone bar blade. Thanks to friends at Thirsty Merchants. So we'll make sure that we get one sent out to him and he can display it proudly in his office. I don't know. Do lawyers have beers in the office? Of course they do. Of course they do. It's probably something stronger, really. <laughs> so I've done all the things. Thank you very much, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Enjoy your week. I did uh, see, I think it was Wade Curtis, um, perhaps in a, just on his own uh, social media, had said only in Brisbane could it be, you know, a 21 and a half degrees day and I can smell the, the, the smell of wood smoke, wood fire smoke. <laughs> you guys We're seriously. Chilly. We get chilly, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of jumpers on today. Me. Oh, so it's got to get to 13 here before we kind of go, oh, I might put a jumper on. <laughs> no, it has. It's uh, And obviously we had a full weekend of it just honking it down. So everyone's annoyed and everything's damp. And now Is that Yorkshire for rain? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, honking sorry. at that. There you go. There's a well, I was thinking, was it like super hot? Yeah. Yeah, no, there you go. Finally got some blue skies today, so uh, I'll be enjoying that this weekend. Well, get out there enjoy it and enjoy it. Go and write some stories out on the... Um, do you guys have a you got the penthouse suite there, haven't you? We do have the penthouse suite, yeah. On the top floor? Do you have a balcony? No balcony, can, no, unfortunately. Uh, is there a rooftop area with a spa or something? Oh, can, well, if only. That just uh, won't splash out for me. Well, so now if we had a mailbag sponsor. Mm, no, because we, we would put that towards mailbag. Um, mm. We wouldn't, no, we wouldn't do anything like that. But it might be time to, you know, never know, upgrade the uh, the old Bruce News offices. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my final thanks I leave, as I always do, to the people who mean the most to us, and that's you, the listeners, whether you be uh, brewers or consumers or friends on our Facebook page or uh, just people who, um, I don't know, just mistyped when you were putting in the Google machine. <laughs> Happy in the coincidence. Uh, Bruise News Week. Thanks for joining us. Um, not that we were falling apart. And I will leave you with this. Drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other, and wash your damn hands. And we'll see you all next week for uh, Bruise News Week. And we're out. Boom. Nice that boom. That, that was good boomage. Oh, no, that was God. good. I got that so much good. abuse. Yeah, won't something. get me complaints. <laughs> Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 